Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X-Racer to Racer and Eye to Eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires. Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is uh, July 28th. It's a Thursday. Recording this after the Washougal National, a couple days afterwards, obviously. But uh, yeah, lots to talk about. Interesting day of racing. Uh, both classes were just kind of battles all day long, somewhat. 250 class, maybe not Sekimoto so much, but the the drama that was unfolding as far as the overall results went uh, was was certainly worth uh, your price of entry. So great day of racing. Uh, before we jump into it, let's thank the sponsors, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, Pro Glow Wash, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. So let's jump into this 250 class. Jet just doing jet things, right? He just cannot find a way to lose these overalls. And I know that's a strange way to kind of put it, but that's what it feels like. You know, he's he's coming up with every single way possible to end up on the, you know, the top step of the podium. And obviously it's not by design. I was kind of giving him a hard time uh, just because he's doing it every possible way there is to do it. You know, he's dominant some days. He's not dominant. He lucks into it. He backs into it. People crash. Uh, it's just any way you can draw it up for jet to end up as the winner he's getting it done and that, that's not his fault um, i don't think it's common you know it doesn't go this way all the time i think it's a little bit atypical now do i think he's the best overall rider absolutely there, there's no question i mean he's only he's only lost one overall this year and looking past that i just think he has you know every aspect of the package that you want his starts are consistent his pace is always you know, right at the top, maybe Justin Cooper's was a touch better at Washougal in the second moto. Maybe Hunter's was a little bit better throughout the day at Washougal, but it, it wasn't uh, like a glaring drop-off, right? If he's not the fastest guy, then it's really close. And this is a track that he really doesn't like. So if he's going to end up winning the overall and be very close to the fastest guy on a track he doesn't care for at all, again, I've made the same point over and over this year, what do you do with that? There, there's really nothing these guys can do. And I don't know if I said it on this podcast or in a television meeting or somewhere. When I was uh, talking to Hunter at Spring Creek after the second moto and Hunter had relented, he had basically just, he had a really tough second moto. He said he got tired, he said he got hot. He ended up getting fifth in that moto. His body language and a little bit of the words that were coming out of his mouth too, I really just felt like it was kind of over and mentally for him. And I'm sure he regrouped this past week and found some new life and figured things out, right, if that makes sense. 
as far as like a game plan to get back in this thing. And you could really see him attacking on, uh, on Saturday morning. Like he really wanted to win again. And, and I spoke with him uh, before the uh, qualifying sessions, if you were watching on math TV and he's basically, I just have to win. You know, there, there is no other alternative. If I want to claw my way back into this title is I, I have to win races. And it seems obvious, um, but I like to see a little bit of the fire and a little bit of enthusiasm and optimism back in him because he really felt defeated at Spring Creek after the second moto. And it just, I think reality was setting in a little bit as far as, listen, I got a huge break at Redbud in a moto with the engine failure, and I just can't find a way to beat my brother. I can't do it. And that same narrative played out at Washougal. He fell over in the second moto when he, in my opinion, wins the overall there without that crash. And it's, it's a lot of it's of his own doing. Some of it is jet just being phenomenally great as well. But the, the confluence of both of those things just feels like it's too much for, for Hunter to deal with. And there's a lot of racing left. I get it. I'm not handing anybody a championship, but it just is starting to feel like it's jets year. And, And it doesn't matter if he gets bad starts or an engine blows up or, he doesn't have to win the motos or whatever. It just seems to work out for him. And that's, uh, that's just how it goes in these championships some way, sometimes in some years. I remember Chad Reed's 2009 motocross championship. There was just this feeling all summer like it was going to go his way. Michael Lessie gets hurt. And just everything that he needed to go right went right. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if I believe in fate or destiny or any of those things. But when it's your year, it just seems like it's your year and things all, you know, all the dominoes fall your direction and you get every break that you need, even with the Redbud thing. Like you could obviously argue against that and say, that's really bad luck. Sure. But he's had everything else go his way. He's winning. He's winning even when things aren't great. Um, so yeah, I, I just like everything there is to, uh, to talk about with his year this year. Um, he, he's really taking giant leaps forward. I mean, he was already your 250 motocross champion last year. He's matured a ton this year as far as what I'm seeing in his riding. Off the bike, eh, whatever, he's still a kid. You know, you talk to him and you can definitely tell he's still very young. But in his riding, in his racecraft, and um, all the things that you'd want to see him developing to become an elite 450 guy very soon are happening. And he's, he's going to jump into the deep end next year. He's, you know, next summer, he's going to be on a 450 and he's going to have to deal with the likes of Sexton. And he might get lucky with Tomac maybe being gone. That will obviously help his chances a ton, but the competition level is going to be higher. You know, Jason Anderson and, and these guys, they're, they're very good. That doesn't mean that, that Jet can't beat them. I, I'm not saying that because I think Jet is on, an, on his, you know, he's progressing where those other guys, I don't know, like they're, kind of holding trend. They're probably the best they're ever going to be. You could argue against that with Sexton. Sexton seems like he's getting a lot better, but everybody else, I think you know what you're going to get from them. If that makes sense, like this is just what it is. Uh, so nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I, I just, they're much older. Their progression has already kind of happened where jet has a decade of a decade to catch up to those guys on age, like Tomac and, and, the upper echelon of the, uh, the 450 elite. So we'll see. Um, he's, he's got, you know, his entire career ahead of him. Justin Cooper, great second moto, you know, is he back? I don't know. You know, does he use this moto to springboard himself 
for the rest of the series? I don't know. You know, last year, this race was really his undoing. He, uh, he kind of blew it, to be honest, at this race. He was winning the second moto. He looked well on his way to extending his points lead. And, and I don't want to say he was going to start to run away with this thing, but it really felt like he had his, his kind of hands around the neck of the series, right? And ready to kind of choke the life out of it, for lack of a better description. And then that crash, right at the end of the second moto, he breaks his thumb, which he did a very good job of hiding that information. But the results really suffered down the stretch. You know, he was getting like fourths and fifths in motos all the way down the stretch, and he wasn't able to practice. He, his fitness started to drop off. And it really wasn't until Hangtown that he kind of found his form again. And maybe it goes the other way this year where this race helps get him back on track. We'll see, right? The championship's over, in my opinion. Like, he's way too far out of the points. But turning around a series will do him a lot of good as far as confidence and career progression and just the narrative around him. He, he kind of needs that right now because everybody is scratching their head wondering where this is going. You know, is this, have we seen the best of him or, you know, because I think Motocross the Nations, the way that whole thing panned out is, is enough there. That's an, plenty of description just right there that everyone has questions now because a, a year ago, Going into Washougal, I think everybody would have said, yeah, Justin Cooper's our guy, right? And we didn't go because of COVID, but I think Justin Cooper or Jeremy Martin would have been the choice. Take your pick. Um, but, it, you know, this year was totally different. Justin Cooper hasn't even been a real consideration for weeks because of his lackluster performances. So he has an opportunity to completely change the dialogue around his, uh, not only his, his year, but also his, the future of his career. Joe Shimoda, I talked about Hunter a little bit. I'll kind of skip over him. The mistakes are everything. It's not riding. It's not even starts anymore. It's just the mistakes. It's the crashes. It's the little tip overs that are ruining everything else. That, that's it. It's just that simple. We've talked about it a million times. And I'm not saying, I'm not condemning him for it. I'm just pointing out what exactly is going on. Joe Shimoda, 3-3 three, three for fourth sucks. Let's be honest. That's a, that's a really terrible... <laughs> Terrible result to a pretty solid day. Um, you don't even get on the podium at the end of the day. You don't get that podium bonus. There's a lot of negatives that come into that. It's kind of a kick in the nuts for, pardon my language, but that's what it feels like to have a, a solid day. You hold off Hunter Lawrence, the second moto, and here's your reward. You're not on the podium. So uh, I kind of felt bad for him. Um, he was frustrated after the second moto. But you have to like the things that are happening for Joe. You know, this is easily his best year ever. Um, he has become a legitimate 250 contender, which I never really considered him one of those before. And I don't think anybody can say he's not now. So good for him. That, that in itself is uh, enough to have a really, really good feeling and, and kind of aura around his year, right? If you're, if you're just sitting back and you think about Joe Shimoda, it's a much more positive thought and reflection of him than it was say a year ago or two years ago. And that, that's all you want, right? You just want over the course of your career, you want to continue to get better and people think that you're more valuable and they want you on your team, which means they're willing to spend more on you. Those are all the trends and the, the directional, you know, kind of signals and indicators that you want. That's everything is going well for Shimoda. 
Uh, the only other note I had on the 250s was not necessarily, you know, relevant to the front pack, but it was crazy how all the Bar X guys, Bar X Suzuki guys were all together. They were like 10 through 15 the entire day, both motos. Um, you know, it's like Drake, Kilroy, uh, who else they got over there? Um, uh, sorry, Mumford, um, and I'm missing somebody else. But it was like their whole group was just, oh, Dylan Schwartz, was he riding? I don't remember. Maybe Schwartz was back. But they, was just, they were all together, they were all in the top 15, and they were all just battling it out the entire afternoon. Like every time I looked at them, and they had, you know, they're, they have bright, they, of course they wear fly racing, but they have bright gear on and bright bikes, and they're the only Suzukis out there, so that's probably part of it. But I just saw this cluster of them the entire day, so it kind of caught my attention. Uh, jumping into our power rankings for the 450, if you're new to this podcast, I do these power rankings. And sometimes they don't change a lot. Like this week are pretty similar. Um, but you, you kind of need outlier results. You need a change in trend or something that really uh, deserves a big move because it's not only this week, it's throughout the entire season. And I try to incorporate both aspects of a broader picture and also what did I see particularly this week or the past couple of weeks to see guys moving forwards or backwards, right? Are they progressing or are they regressing? Um, and that can, that can obviously play a role in here too. But without further ado, number 10 is Benny Bloss. And I think he deserves to be here. Uh, he's on a roll, man. You watch him riding. I don't know what he's changed. Like he hasn't been crashing. He hasn't been getting the DNFs that have plagued him for years. So I don't want to jinx him, but he really looks like he's found some momentum here. He looks like he belongs in, you know, right around that 8 to 12. That looks like it's, it's the perfect spot for him speed-wise, fitness-wise. Um, he, he looks the part for that. that and that, those are really tough positions to gain. Like you're battling with factory guys week in and week out to be, to be in those spots. For good, so good for Benny. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of him and his family and, uh, you know, I've been around those guys a lot. I've spent a lot of time away from the track and at the track with his dad, Jeff Bloss. And, uh, yeah, so I, I cheer for him anytime I get the opportunity to, and I'm, I'm happy to see him succeeding. Joey Sabachi is at nine and honestly, Joey's lucky. He was able to even ride. If you saw that picture floating around of him doing that flying W that didn't end well. Uh, he came in the mechanics area and was finished for the end of that practice. Uh, I thought he hurt his knee, ended up being his ankle. Uh, but he was able to fight through that, have a decent day where I, I thought it was catastrophic. I, I was like, man, there goes Joey for the series, re-injured the knee, or, you know, maybe not really re-injured, like surgically re-injured, but tweaked it to where he's going to be, you know, marginal for the day or out and uh, yeah, so it wasn't that. I guess if, you're, if you want the silver lining, that all got pushed to the side. He was able to race normally. These two weekends off probably came at the perfect time for him. And uh, so yeah, he stays inside the top 10. And, he, and he's had a great summer. I really thought he was coming back early from knee surgery, from you know, the typical recovery. And he's exceeded my expectations. So a nice job from Joey this summer. Aaron Plessinger is eight. And in my notes, I wrote invisible because I really didn't see a lot of him. Um, the only time I really paid attention to him was when he crashed late in the second moto. And I know he ran around the top 10 all day. It wasn't a horrible day by any means or any of that, but I've really been looking for that breakout type day that he had at Southwick. That's what I want to see. I want to see him back in that mix where all the good things are happening, right? He's a podium guy and he's on TV and everyone's 
leaving there talking about AP's day. And those are what you want. That's what, that's what KTM hired. That's why he is on Red Bull KTM. That's why he gets paid, you know, probably a million dollars by KTM. Like, you know, I'm, I'm guesstimating, but I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the market. And it's around that, you know, 900, 1.1 range, something like that. Um, and, and to get paid that much, they want you near the podium. They at least want you in the top five. No question, right? He was a, a very sought-after commodity by both uh, Monster Yamaha Star Racing and Red Bull KTM. And that's why you get paid a lot is when multiple people want your services. And he, I don't think he's performed to that level of expectation. I, I don't think you can really make an argument to the contrary. You know, it's been injury after injury, after bad performance, after, okay, a glimmer of hope, and then right back to, eh, not great. And that was a little bit more of this weekend was the, eh, not great. So he's got some work to do. Uh, number seven is Justin Barsha. And he and Craig were, Christian Craig were in a battle royale most of the day, and Barsha ended up on the, uh, the lesser end of that. Um, if you guys have been following the news, he pulled his bid for the 250 spot for Motocross of Nations. My personal opinion is that he knew that he wasn't going to get picked. He heard the, the whisperings that Christian Craig was getting the spot. And so instead of letting news be broken onto him, he broke news, right? And, and I don't know how I feel, but that's my, that's my personal opinion, okay? That I think he knew that Christian Craig was going to get it. So he kind of jumped ahead of the news, right? And said, okay, I'm out. And then it doesn't seem like he didn't get picked anymore. You know, so it's, it's a little bit of a, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but preemptive move, there you go, that saves face a little bit. He doesn't have to look like he got passed over for this pick. He can willingly back out of it. And, you know, his reasoning was he needs to work on getting the 450 better. He's not performing up to the level that he needs to be, which is all true. I don't think any of that is, is false. But I also firmly believe that he knew he could see the writing on the wall. Everyone that's kind of in the know is all saying that Christian's going to get this spot. So, yeah, why, why not get ahead of it and just say, I'm bowing out. Take the decision away from Team USA and the AMA. Make it easier on them, right? Everybody wins. If you know you're not getting it and Team USA and AMA don't really want to make this hard decision, they, you know, it's easier. It, it makes the job so much easier for everybody because now you're down to the, we all thought there was between two. Now it's just one and it makes the pick so easy. And I would expect now they'll, they'll immediately go a Unadilla and announce because I think they were talking about maybe pushing it to Bud's Creek. I know some people had asked to, hey, let's delay this and make the best pick possible. I think that's all out the window now. I think they, they could even announce that we're uh, They won't announce that we're They'll wait till a Lucas Oil promoter cross race. So everybody's there, but it's going to happen at Unadilla now. That's my prediction. Uh, as far as Barsha's racing, I kind of covered that in that topic, but it hasn't been great. He needs to be better. I think that's pretty fair. Ryan Dungey at six. What could have been, man? I, I really think he had a legitimate shot at the podium. You know, he, he was starting off that first moto at Gangbusters, and I think he knew as well as we did that this was a great racetrack for him, a great opportunity. He got the whole shot. Like, what else could you possibly want as far as your best chance to get a podium? And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just – it sucks. I had the uh, – <laughs> oh, man, I had the job – uh, to go over and ask him 
about uh, what happened. How are you feeling? What, like the worst possible scenario. Like I didn't want to do any of those things. And uh, yeah, that's just what I was tasked with doing. I didn't have a choice. So I went over there, asked him what was going on, got his feelings. And if you guys could have listened in the headset a little bit, they're like, you need to go over and talk to Dungy. And I'm like, I don't want to. And they're like, you got to go ask and see if he'll talk. And I'm like, no. And they're like, yes, you have to. And I'm like, no. Like, It was like the most childish conversation ever because I know how defeated he probably felt there. And the last, I, the last thing I wanted to do was go stick a microphone in his face while he just suffered this terrible fate, right? Like, I, he didn't get hurt, like, whatever. But, like, the podium is everything right now. It's such a huge goal. And to get that pulled away from you from a freak mechanical failure, like, it sounded like electrical was a problem, something electrical. I don't want to be the one that shoves a microphone and camera in his face. Um, but true to form, he was gracious. He was patient, um, even through all of his frustration and he's the consummate professional. What else could you ever want out of a, an ambassador than Ryan Dungey? And, uh, yeah, I took the time. He was nice. And I, I kind of told him after my, like, listen, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Um, but yeah, we're here to put on a show and he, he was totally understanding and cool. And then he rode great in the second moto. He, you know, came from 10th or whatever, almost caught Jason Anderson at the end of the second moto. And, uh, yeah, so I am, I am a true fan of Ryan Dungey. I like who he is as a person. I like what he stands for. I like all the things he does for charity off the racetrack. Um, I like how he kind of always does and says the right thing, even if he's a little guarded, right? He's, he's a little vanilla. Um, I, I can personally relate to that. I, I, I kind of carry myself the same way. I don't like to be controversial, Um, so I, yeah, I just identify, I identify with, with Ryan Dungey quite a bit. Number five, uh, Ken Roxon and tough man. It's gotta be frustrating for him. Uh, you know, sick again. And I didn't know it going in, but I guess he had gotten sick on uh, Friday night and yeah, his immune system is just letting him down. There's no other way to put it than, than that. And I know he's frustrated. I think everybody involved in his program is frustrated. And how could you not be? We all know what he's capable of when he's healthy. He comes into every series and is at the front battling for wins. And then by the halfway point or by the end, there's this significant drop-off. And the tougher the conditions are, the longer the series drags on, the worse it is for him. That's just the facts at this point. And... I don't know that it's ever going to change. So when he's at his best, let's cheer for him and, and enjoy it and absorb it. And when it's not, well, you should know and, and you should be expecting that anyway. That, that's the only way I think you can approach it right now. The questions become what does Hanna do with him? Uh, what is, you know, I think his gear deal may be up as well this year. So th- there's a lot of things that have to be decided in the future for Ken Roxon and, and what is his fate. It, you know, he's obviously going to do this world supercross thing, which Honda's like, uh, okay. Like they didn't know anything about it, nor had they agreed to support it. So there's a lot to be sorted out there. Um, in the end, what do I think happens? I think he stays at Honda, uh, on a, like a lower pay scale, which, but I don't know how much will, like how much lower is he willing to take? He's, he's so charismatic and so marketable. What, you know, it, at some point, He's going to be like, I'm not riding for that. Like, I'm worth more than that. But then you look at, okay, well, who's left to hire you? There's, there's not really any spots left. So it's, it's this push and pull, and both, th- both sides probably think they have leverage. 
Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But I, I do feel for Roxon. He's, he's such a, uh, a great character for the sport and like this protagonist that we always talk about. And yeah, it sucks when he's not at his best. It's, it seems like a, a recurring theme that he's not at his best at some point, but it, it still sucks. Like it, it detracts from the series overall. I think it's really hard to argue against that. Uh, number four is Christian Craig. And the starts were really what held him back. You know, if, if you can give him better starts on the day, I, I truly believe he would have been in the podium conversation. But his starts sucked, and he had to fight his way from the back all day. And that's what happens. You end up with a subpar result versus your pace when you have to fight the entire moto just to get up to where you're supposed to be. Forget about moving forward or over performing what your typical result is you're just trying to catch back up to even and uh so yeah I, I don't have anything bad to say about christian craig's day at all other than he put himself in bad situations and then that leads to suboptimal results that's just kind of how it goes uh, but he is riding really really well he deserves a ton of credit he's gonna be the motocross the nation's pick in my opinion and uh, i'll yeah i'll be cheering for him i hope it goes well i really hope that he decides to race the 250 the rest of the series. I think that's the right move. I applaud that move. I think it will give him the best shot at, at team USA winning in September because he's going to get to sort out settings. He's going to have, you know, a bunch of starts under his belt, even though the great starts different, it'll still get him back, you know, used to the 250 starts and how that all it's a little bit different, right? Your shift points are different. There's a lot of change for the 250 starts. Um, racing different guys, the the intensity, in my opinion, is a little bit higher just because you have to ride the 250 harder. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I hope that that's how they go. I don't know if they're going to or not. Maybe when he gets picked, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just going to stay on the 450. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But, um, yeah, I, I think he has really taken a big step forward in his entire form this year. Um, Jason Anderson is number three and these guys, you know, this, this whole top four or five are kind of all the same, but he's getting it done, right? He gets on the podium, rides really well. He was very frustrated after the second moto that he got dropped by the front two. Um, I think he felt like if he got a start with him, he could go with him and he got the start. And I know, well, I don't say I know, but my belief very strongly is that when he was on that first lap with him, he's like, okay, I, I can go with him, right? I'm Here we go. I can go with him. I'm going to stay with him. I need to just latch onto the back of them, and we'll see what happens after halfway. And he just couldn't. They were going too fast at the front. He could not hold their pace. And there's nothing I, – I don't think there's anything, like, shameful in that. Those two are riding, like, the best we've seen anybody ride in this series, in my opinion, for a very long time. Maybe going back to Tomac and, like, 17 or 18 that's the last time i've seen performances like this where the pace is this high they're able to gap anybody and everybody um so yeah it's it's been a minute since we've seen this level this high of a level so he he should just be happy it's his best year ever in my opinion forget about the championship this is the best version of jason anderson overall we've ever seen and he needs to uh i think he needs to hold his head high and uh and be happy about that now he's going to get another shot at Supercross next year. There's a lot to look forward to. Um, but I, I think it would be a mistake by him to be disappointed or frustrated 
that he couldn't go with those front two uh, at Washougal. It's, it's a lot to ask for. Uh, number two, Chase Sexton. Uh, you know, he's on the other side of that coin as far as being, you know, like there definitely is no frustration. Like he, where Jason Anderson frustrated, like Sexton is over the moon elated, right? He is on top of the world, like best day ever. You could see the sigh of relief, like all these positives from Chase Sexton leaving the day. Like I bet he, I don't know. I don't know if he slept the best he's ever slept or he couldn't sleep because he was so excited, but what a great second moto from Chase Sexton. Really what a great series from Chase Sexton. This has to be the best that anyone's ever ridden and not been your points leader. And I'm going to do some digging on stats with that before Unadilla so I can maybe share exactly what's going on there. But he has been overwhelmingly great this summer. He's given Eli Tomac everything he wants, even though the, you know, the moto scores and the overalls may tell a different story. I get it. But Chase Sexton's level, the level of his riding, the level of progression he's shown, the mental fortitude he's shown in the face of losing, you know, he'd lost eight motos in a row going into that second moto. I loved everything I saw. You know, he looked into the mirror, saw another defeat right there and said, it's not happening today. I'm, I'm going to win this time. And, uh, and he did it. So congrats to him. Awesome day. Awesome ride. Uh, the question now becomes, is that a breakthrough or is it going to be this yo-yo where every moto you don't know, right? It was it enough of a confidence booster that he will be able to make good on that moving forward. I don't know. I would say more of he's going to have to be opportunistic. Tomac's still been consistently a little bit better, but confidence is a crazy thing. You never really know. Um, the great thing is for us fans is that we have a series now. Like it, it before it was like, man, it's just inevitable. Tomac's going to start to stretch the points out. He's got the red plate now. He's won four overalls in a row. Like there were all these things. You're just like, okay, it's going to start to slip away. Not so fast. Maybe Sexton is on to something here. And uh, yeah, it was just a crazy good race to watch, regardless of who you're cheering for, any of that. It's just insanely entertaining. And number one, I, it's your points leader. It's your Supercross champion. Uh, he tied for the you know the points for the overall in the day. Still Eli Tomac. It's not really even in question. I will tell you though, you know, cause for those of you who aren't at the races and you're, you, you know, you're watching on floor racing or map TV or whatever, and that's a whole different subject. Um, there's a lot of downtime between when they come off the track, when they're waiting to come up, come up on the podium, they come up and they're standing by me for maybe a minute of this awkward small talk silence thing before we go on camera, because they have to get them ready if they come back live and there's no rider with me, it's, it's chaos, right? I'm going to, I don't even know what I would do. So they have to get them up there earlier than they would like. And there's always just this waiting period for them to come to us live. And I can, sometimes I talk to them. Sometimes I don't. Um, I'm always giving them time updates about how quickly the TV's coming back and you can get a sense if they're pissed, if they're happy, if they're frustrated, um, if they're, you know, complacent, just kind of so-so, like you, you get just a feeling from them more than what I think their words are going to tell you on TV, because they typically say the right things. They it's, you know, it's rider speak. Like they don't really tell you anything. Sometimes I believe that that 
those moments before and after the camera goes off are much more telling because they are much more likely to show their real feelings and you can see it in their face versus the words that are coming out of their mouth. So I, I hope that makes sense. Um, but in that, in that, those moments, Tomac was really, really not happy. Um, not like raging piss, not yelling or anything, but like the stern look of like pissed off that he didn't win that moto. Uh, it, it was really evident. Um, normally, he, he's been really happy-go-lucky lately with all the winning and everything. That was a return to the very, very, I don't even know the right word, um, just no emotion on his face, like angry. I could see it in his eyes. His eyes were like burning that he didn't win that moto. He was thoroughly pissed off deep down. He didn't like losing. He did not like losing to Chase Sexton, especially when it was kind of a straight-up battle. That did not sit well with him. So I would bet there is some, uh, some hate laps <laughs> going on at the Tomac compound. Like I don't, I don't think there's a lot of uh, easing up or a lot of time off being taken. I, I think that really didn't resonate with him losing that way. So that was just my perception, right? It's just what I took away from it doesn't mean it's fact or anything, but it was pretty apparent. So anyway, that's it for this week. Um, again, thank you to the sponsors Pirelli, Guts Racing, uh, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, Pro Glow Wash. Use that promo code MOTO15. Use a promo code for Works Connection, JT21. By the way, Works Connection, they whole shot everything, right? They whole shot every time. Justin Cooper, Sexton, like take your pick. These guys are whole shotting all the time with Works Connection. Uh, Grantstone Boots and Fly Racing. Thank you to everybody. Pirelli's going to be, uh, they are a sp- official sponsor of Loretta Lens. If you are going, go buy the Pirelli truck. Get yourself a set of brand new tires. I would recommend the MX-32. It's going to give you the best chance on the start. It works really well everywhere. It's, you know, Loretta's is super loamy. So I would get that MX-32. Um, but yeah, great companies, great sponsors. Please check them out. Uh, this, this podcast would not be possible without it. And we will talk to you. Uh, I don't know when the next podcast will be. Maybe I'll do like a Q&A one. Or I, I like kind of writing my own questions sometimes. Maybe you guys don't like that. I don't know. I just think there are pressing questions out there sometimes that don't get answered by the media. They get overlooked. And uh, I can kind of bring those to light and then try to shed some light on them too. So that's it for this week. We will talk to you soon. See you.